All right, so if you're just joining us for the first time and you're wondering uh, what we're in the middle of, we're middle of a series, but we're in the middle of going through this book called Draw the Circle. There's copies in the back. You can make sure you get one. And there's questions you that will help you process it every day. Today is day 15, and it doesn't matter if you're not on day 15. This is not a bunch of guilt being poured on people. This is about connecting with God and finding ways to do that. That's what we've asked you to do. That's what we've tried to get you to do over these last 15 days. And if you've even done it twice, we are thrilled because you connected with God twice. So that's how we want you to consider this and look at this uh, on our Facebook group, uh, Thrive Church group, and on email. Uh, we've been sending those questions out, and if you need those, please just let us know. It's hello at thriveindianola.com, and it is the Thrive Church group. That's what you're looking for, the Thrive Church group on Facebook, and you can start your journey with us, and it doesn't matter if you're on the same pace with us. We're just trying to make sure that you have time every day to connect with God. That's probably one of the most important things I'll say is just, it's okay. How are you doing with it? How's it working with it? What are you learning about? What are you going along with? How are you doing at connecting with God? We told you find a time and find a place. And I'm certain, you know, that time and that place have already got invaded by everything else. That's what happens. That's what's really good at what happens in our life. We get busy. We get distracted. That's why some of you who are early risers got up a couple mornings and like, where are my questions? Like, what's wrong with Ed? Ed doesn't do early, okay? I'm just going to confess that, okay? I'd rather not infringe on other people's time with God, so I, I save my time for a little bit later, okay? So uh, that is my struggle. So if I don't remember the previous afternoon to send the stuff out for tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I am sorry. It will not happen until a little bit later. So I try to remember and get that out so that you can connect with God. We've also told you to get a journal, get a notebook, and write down the things that you're praying about. What are you praying for you? What are you praying for your family? What are you praying for your work or slash your school, wherever, whatever season of life you're in? And what are you praying for our church? What are you praying for? Write those down and watch how God begins to work in those different things every day. And if you, I hope you're seeing that, that God's at work, that God's moving, that God's doing great things, and we just want to be obedient to what God is doing. So at times, it's good to write those stuff down. You know why? Because we don't remember. We don't remember. What did I pray for yesterday? I don't remember. That was yesterday. That, that, was, that was in the midst of a busy season and busy week. And uh, I look back and I'm like, oh. I watched God do this. I watched God do that. I watched God answer. I watched God step in to the middle of that conversation. So we've been urging you to get a journal, write down your prayers, and write down the way that God is answering and God is moving in those prayers. Again, day 15, jump in wherever you're at and walk along and follow this journey with us. So what I want to talk about today is just a couple things related to this topic, that praying is hard work. It, it is. I, I hope nobody thought this was going to be easy. Oh, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to be excited. No, no, there's some days you're not going to feel like it. This is, this is the difference, okay? Walking with Jesus sometimes requires us to have a little discipline and do the things that we need to do. I, you can read this all throughout the Gospels. I think we get this glorified picture of the disciples. Do you remember when Jesus had the disciples together and praying? Do you remember what they did? They fell asleep. 
right? I'm there, I, right? That's, that's just, I'm, I can relate to that. I can relate to how they struggled because they didn't think, oh, this is going to be hard. This time's going to be challenging. And I'm going to have to, when I don't feel like praying, I'm going to have to pray. When I don't feel like doing something, I'm going to have to do it. That praying sometimes is hard work, and it just requires us to keep going and keep pushing through all the things that are going on in our life. So the author of our book talks about that that his prayer walk was 4.7 miles. Now, I don't 4.7 miles. I have no idea. Craig probably is a good idea of what 4.7 miles is around town. He probably is a good idea. You could ask him about that. I'm like, 4.7 miles. And that was the prayer walk that he was doing. And he was like, oh, this is, this is a little long. Can we, can we shorten this up? Can we do something a little shorter, God? Can we do something a little bit less? Sometimes I think that's what we want. We want God to do, okay, can you just require out of me a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. But I want you to see today, and I want you to connect with the idea, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, I want you to connect with this idea of joining in what God is doing and doing what he's asking us to do in the midst of that. So praying hard, that's our whole thing today. Pray hard, pray hard, pray when you don't feel like it. It's not going to be easy. Let's embrace that and let's jump in. It demands two decisive actions. And here's Here's our total thing today. We're going to talk about these two actions. Fully devoting yourself, I'm all in, and taking a daring step of faith. And that might be different than what you think. You'll you'll see what we're going to go with that this morning, okay? Those two things are going to be this journey that we're going to be on together this morning. Understanding i got to fully devote myself, I am all into doing this, and I'm going to take a daring step of faith at some point along the line with Jesus in the midst of all of this. So those are two steps. So let's start in the first one, fully devoting yourself. So this is Joshua chapter 3. We've kind of been looking a little bit at the life of Joshua in some different areas. So this is Joshua chapter 3. This is just before they're about to cross the Jordan River. And, and we'll get to what happens here in a moment with that. But before they do that, look what's being said. Now, I'm going to give it to you in two different uh, translations because I want you to see different wordings. Maybe that will just click with you. Uh, that's what I do quite often. I hope you find that helpful as well. Ritually, Joshua told the people, ritually consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will perform miraculous deeds among you. In other words, another translation, purify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. So that first part, I want to kind of define this for us so that we understand what Jesus is asking of us to be all in, to, in other words, consecrate yourself, purify yourself, set yourself apart. What does this look like for us? Because we can see words on a page and not have any idea what that looks like for us. And so I want to help us just define this and understand this a little bit better this morning that we would know what this looks like for us. Okay, in 2022 Central Iowa, this is what this looks like. Okay, we're not in. We can understand what they were doing back then, and we're not in that picture. But what does this look like for us? And I want to give you a couple things. Number one, it's different. In following Jesus, you will find yourself doing things different than most. Did you catch the Sermon on the Mount? Read through the gospel sometimes, especially the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you've heard it said, 
In other words, he would say, Moses told you from the Ten Commandments that you shouldn't kill or you shouldn't murder is really the proper translation. But I'm going to say to you, right, so I'm going to interpret this different for you. I'm going to help you understand this more fully. And he begins to go into this whole thing about being angry with people and about holding bitterness and about resenting people. So I know you think it's good enough that you haven't, you know, got out a weapon and killed that person. But, okay, that, that's not where we're going, to, we're going to draw the line. We're going to ask you to set yourself apart. We're going to ask you to be different. Jesus asks us to be different in following him to do things differently than everybody else is doing them. Sometimes it goes in that effect. It says, stop holding anger and bitterness. I know they hurt you. They betrayed you. They did all sorts of things to mess up your life. Are you going to hold on to that? Or are you going to move forward in forgiveness and watch what I'm going to do in spite of what has happened to you and what somebody has brought you through and what somebody took you through? It's different. How we deal with almost everything that life throws at us is different in Jesus. And he asks us to respond differently. And he asks us to do things differently. And most of us don't know that because we just do what everybody else does. Until you begin to read the Gospels and find out what Jesus calls us to if we are going to follow him. Oh, great, you want to follow me. i got to call you to some different things. I would call you to respond differently to things. I would call you to act differently towards things. And one of them, he told them what? To love your enemies. Wait a minute. That, it, that's not in the text. Aren't we supposed to hate those people? Aren't we supposed to go after those people? Aren't we supposed to attack those people? Nope. I want you to love them. He would call them to do things differently than everybody else was doing them. And ultimately, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount... One of the most confusing verses, if you've ever read it and just went, I don't know what that means, and just flip the page. That's what normally happens. We get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we read Jesus' words, and it says, be perfect. This is what most of your translations will say. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Ever read that and went, well, I know I'm not perfect. <laughs> By any definition of perfect, that's not me. And you just flip the page because you didn't know what that meant. It's a terrible translation. It's just... We don't know what to do with that word. A better word is be different. As your Father in heaven is different. Be set apart. Be consecrated. You're going to do things differently because God is going to ask you to do things differently than the way everybody else is doing them. So it's okay. Be different. Follow along with that. To consecrate yourself is to do that. Number two, it's sacrifice. Can I ask you, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up? Well, I'll follow Jesus, but I only give up this much. I only give up so much. I only give up this. I only give up that. And sometimes what we find is that God calls us to give up things. Just give up things. I'm going to replace them. I'm going to do something so much better in your life. But I want to know what you're willing to give up. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to sacrifice? The, one of the one of the greatest stories is when uh, David arrives at the threshing floor and he refuses, he says, to give God a sacrifice that costs him nothing. And so he comes out and he pays for that threshing floor. Do you know what that threshing floor ultimately becomes? It becomes the temple that his son Solomon would build. And he refuses to do any of it. Somebody give it to him, but you're the king. I'm just supposed to give you stuff. Nope. 
nope, because I'm not doing this as king. I am doing this as a follower. And I'm not going to do anything that doesn't cost me something. So he buys it, he purchases it, and ultimately the temple goes on top of it. It's just an amazing, amazing story. But David's heart in all of that is, I'm not going to do something. It's going to cost me. I realize I could get a lot of free benefits from being king, but not when it comes to my God. It will cost me, and I'm glad it will cost me because I'm willing to sacrifice. What are you willing to give up in order to follow Jesus? Number three, all in. What percentage are you giving in following Jesus? You're like, are you talking money? No, your entire self. How, how much? Does Jesus get 10% of you? Because, well, after all, that's a tithe, right? So, so here's my 10%. Come and take 10% of my life. And is, is that what we give him? Do we give him 20? Do we give him 50 and think, well, that's half. That's, the, you know, that, that's a lot. Or are we all in and do we give Jesus 100% of our life and trust him with 100% of our life? That means I trust him with my family. I trust him in my workplace. Maybe perhaps what you're finding is you're listing out these prayers that have to do with you and your family and your work and our church is that you're praying different prayers. Instead of God, give me this or God, give me that, you're starting to say, God, what do you want to do in that? What do you want to do? And what would happen if I just let you have all of my life, all of my life, which includes my work, which includes my church, which includes everything? What if I just gave you all of that and see what you would do? All of that helps us to understand words like consecrate and purify. Otherwise, I'm afraid we just might skip over and not know what that means. What am I willing? Am I willing to give everything? Am I willing to be all in to do whatever Jesus asks me to do? Step number two, a daring step of faith. Now, I always like to make sure you guys understand faith and because we just kind of, again, throw out this word too. So I want you to see this. Joshua chapter three, instruct the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the bank of the Jordan River, wade into the water. Okay, so these kids, now adults, saw the Red Sea part and knew that God could do it again. But notice what they had to do, okay? Notice what they had to do. Wait in. You're going to step in it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When the Red Sea just parted, and in fact, I read that passage that was in my, my one-year Bible thing, so I just read it this week, where it talks about the wind came and it parted. So they were used to God just parts and we walk along. We're, we're not used to getting wet, Okay, you're telling me, you're telling me, God, you want us to get wet. Yep. You're going to take my Ark of the Covenant and you're going to step into that water and you're going to watch me part it and separate it as I ask you to take a daring step of faith. Now, you and I, we might say uh, it's, a, it's a river. What's the big deal? What, what, what's the big deal? So recently I, I saw an episode of 1883. Don't know if I'd recommend it. That's a hard show to watch. Everybody's dying. It's a, uh, th there's, there's my take on it. But you understand what it means to cross a river. They don't have a bridge. You know, you don't have a boat, okay? You're just trying to get across this river. It's not an easy thing. It's a difficult thing. They showed people dying, which probably happened quite often. And this is, by the way, the Jordan River... Not in the middle of summer 
when it all went down and it was like, yeah, I can, I can cross this. This is nothing. We can cross this. It was at flood stage, which means it was at its deepest part. It was at its widest and it was flowing fast. And it was that river they had to cross. It wasn't this dried up little piece that we see around us and think, oh, this is not bad. We just build a bridge over it. This was step into the water and watch God take it and separate it so that you can walk across it. Faith is only faith when it's active. I'm going to try to, to, to teach this a couple times. We're going to look at this again uh, probably in, in March. This whole idea, faith is only faith when it is active, when it does something. Faith isn't I just believe something, it's because I believe something, I do something. So it's because God said, wait into the water. Here's these priests going, I don't know how this is going to work, but I guess we're going to step into the water. That step into the water and watch God separate it and part it. And scripture is full of these stories. Faith acts, okay? This is why we call it active. It acts on knowing that God is who he says he is. He will do everything he says he will do. So when's the last time you read scripture, which would encourage you to read scripture? When's the last time you did that and actually asked God to do what he said in his word? That's all faith is. God said it, and I'm going to ask him to do that. God told them you're going to cross the Jordan. So they didn't sit back there and go, uh, yeah, you got to make this part. you got to separate this. you gotta, you got to push this aside like you did at the Red Sea. It's like, no, I, I want to see you wade in. And then I'm going to separate it. And then I'm going to push it apart. But I want to see what you're willing to do based on the text, based on what I've told you, that I will do that. I will do everything I said I will do. And that's who he is. That's who God is. And that's what it means when we say we have faith. It doesn't mean we just have this generic belief that God is. It means God is who he says he is, and he will do everything he says he will do so you can go and you can lean on that promise and do things according to this promise by the way if you're ever reading the gospels run across a story like matthew 15 in matthew 15 jesus meets a woman called the a canaanite woman there's no canaanites at that time they're trying matthew is i think to say hey this is an outsider in fact jesus whole conversation with her is I'm called to the lost sheep of Israel. You're an outsider. And she begins to talk to him further. And she actually, what scholars believe, references a story of Elijah and brings that into the whole conversation. And at the end of it, Jesus says, you have great faith. Why? Because she showed up. She, because she knew her text and acted on it. She knew what was written. She knew what was said. And so she acted on it. When Jesus kept pushing her back and saying, no, I'm to the lost sheep of Israel. No, no, no. If you're the Messiah, you're for everybody. You're for everybody and, and all the people. And I want you to heal my daughter. And I want you to step into that moment. And I want you to do it. And she references, but even the master, and she uses this word master, which you go all the way back to who is the first master? It's actually Elijah. And she references this moment and says, nope, you're for us. And Jesus stops and says, you have 
great faith because she knew the text and she acted on it. She acted on it. Do you act on the text when you give? I'm getting ready to give, and God's promised, right? God has promised over and over again in his word that when we give, when we look at all those things we just talked about, when we sacrifice, when we're all in, when we're ready to do what God wants us to do, when we act differently, so we give. Do we do that on the promise that God has promised to bless us and that God will bless those who give? Do we give according to that, or we just give because we give? See the difference? One is a step of faith, and one is I'm just doing it because I've always done it. And I wonder for those of us, if I can talk to those of us like me who have been following Jesus a long time, we just stopped following the text. And we got into a religious rhythm within ourselves of just following along and doing things because that's how we do it. It's Sunday at 10 o'clock, supposed to be in church. We're going to sing three songs. I'm going to stand. I'm going to sing. We're going to sit. That's going to be up there and talking for who knows how long, you know, probably 25 minutes or so. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to go off, and I got all my stuff planned for today. Do I do that because I want to meet Jesus? I want to know what it takes to follow him. Or do I do that just out of religious duty? If we're honest, a lot of religiousness has soaked into us. And we start doing things not because the text tells us to do them, not because Scripture urges us. This is how faith gets lived out. We just do them because, well, that's what my mom told me, okay? Uh, that's, what, that's what I always heard. I'm supposed to go to church and give this and do that and, and help out here. And all of a sudden we find that much like the Pharisees who we think Jesus hated, they were actors, they were going through motions. Many of us are in the same boat. We're just going through motions. And we're not acting as if we're giving because we want God to work through that gift. We're not here because we want God to speak to us. We're not opening the text so we know what it says and we can act according to it. We're just kind of in our own rhythm of, well, it's Sunday. This is what I do. But Jesus was always marveled when he ran into people. Quite often it's women, which is interesting, who would actually act according to what the text said and who actually thought God would do what he said he would do. That's faith. When's the last time you read a scripture and asked God to do that for you? When's the last time you read something that said, go and do something and you actually went and did it? When's the last time? Or have we just gotten in a religious cycle of coming and going and doing and giving and all, all this stuff, which is, which is wonderful, except there's no heart in any of it. There's no faith in any of it because we're not asking God to do what he says he will do according to the text. She persisted knowing Jesus could do what he could do and wouldn't leave till he did. If you want to wonder why she, she goes, what great faith you have. She knows he can do it. She's not going to leave until he does. And she just persisted in making sure he understood, I know my tax, I know what you can do, and I want you to do this now. 
When is the last time you ever had one of those moments where you believed God could do that? What do you believe Jesus can do, and have you acted on that? So this past Thursday, uh, uh, Summit Creek Church in, in Des Moines, that's where, that's where our guest worship leader, Jesse, goes, and Jesse's a part of. His brother-in-law is the pastor there. Uh, they are in the midst of 21 days of prayer. Uh, in which they were gathering every morning. And so they attached an art gathering to that. So I got to meet a couple other pastors in the area, one who's getting ready to uh, plant a church. And the whole theme that morning was praying for the next generation. And quite challenging because it's it, it wasn't just, oh, 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 pray God bless our schools. No, no, that, that, that wasn't the push. The push was start naming people in the next generation. I've, I, I've, we've used this before. What is the faith of the next generation worth? It's worth everything. It is worth all the effort. It is worth everything that we put into it. It is worth everything. Do we think it's worth everything? And what are we willing to pray into that next generation and ask God to do in that next generation? So that's what that whole thing was about. What are we going to ask God to do in this next generation? How are we going to pray that? What do you believe that Jesus can do? And have you acted on that? Are the questions I want to leave you with today. Have you actually acted according to that? And like last week, the last thing I'm going to say is how, how will these truths affect your prayers? How will they affect your prayers? That I am set apart and I'm going to take a daring step of faith and trust that God's going to do what he says. He, he is who he says he is. He will do everything he says he will do. I'm ready to take those steps of faith and see what God is going to do in spite of everything else I see around me. Those are the questions. How will that leak into your prayer life? Your prayer time. As you start now to write down, okay, what am I going to pray for myself? What do, what do, what do I need? And, and, and be honest about that, right? Because sometimes you need a lot of help. I need a lot of help, right? Just to put that down. What, what, what scripture are you praying for that God would do in the midst of you? What are you praying for your family? Next week is all about thinking long and thinking for the long haul and thinking generationally as other people have done. Okay, how, how are you praying that way for your family and the people in your life? How are you praying for your work? How are you praying for your work? As you go there and try to, to be a light, uh, how, are you, how are you praying for that? And how are you doing with that? And then how are you praying for our church? There's a great passage in Matthew 16 that I have to be reminded of over and over again where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I have to kind of revisit that passage over and over again because Jesus declared it, Jesus said it, and I just have to remember. And so I, I have to constantly pray, Jesus, build your church. Because I want to pray, okay, I don't know what to do to build this church, right? That's, that's all I want to pray. So you got to show me what to do to build this church. Nope, I'm taking then a responsibility that Jesus didn't ask me to take. Jesus says, I will build my church. So if you started asking Jesus to build his church, his gathering here, that's 
praying the text. That is a daring step of faith. That's what it looks like to set yourself apart and take those daring step of faith and watch what God might do in the midst of it. So let's pray this morning. Let's thank God for all that he is showing us and doing in us. And let, let's just ask if, if this week's been hard, it's okay. It's okay, right? We're not putting on a bunch of guilt. Nope, we're taking that off. We're taking it off. We're getting rid of that. And we're just going to ask God to help us to do this and continue in it and watch the difference that it will make. Father, we are in such an incredible place. Being this side of the cross and being this side of when we have the written word at such easy access we could pull out our phones and have the verse we're looking for. And even Google search it if we don't know what we're looking for. We have such great access unprecedented access. And yet if we'd be honest, we are less inclined to open it. And even far, far less inclined to believe you will do what you say that you will do. That you are who you say you are. That we get a brand new look at who you are and we get a brand new look at what you've asked us to do. Would you do something great in and through us. That these truths, to set ourselves apart and to take a daring step of faith, would be the way we live out prayer this week. It is day 15, getting close to halfway through. We want you to continue to work in incredible ways in and through us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.